If you're a cannabis business owner looking to expand into new markets and need guidance and support you can trust, consider Collateral Base, a group that has done it before in multiple merit-based and limited market states. Collateral Base was founded by an experienced cannabis attorney with highly educated consultants with master's degrees and years of experience in the cannabis industry. The Collateral Base team is confident they know cannabis licensing better than any of their peers. And I encourage you to see for yourself. It just takes one phone call. If you're ready to expand your cannabis business into new limited markets, contact Collateral Base today at 309-306-1095. That's 309-306-1095. Or visit collateralbase.com. Welcome. You're listening to Casually Baked, the podcast. Home base for the can of curious. Thanks for tuning in. It's hot time. We had a hot time. Together. Together. Hi, y'all. I'm Joe, your host and cannabis lifestyle guide. My chapter in the Oakland studio is finishing up, and I'm feeling nostalgic. I'm slowing down to visually notice and appreciate my life in this beautiful, warm, creative incubator where I figured out how to build two businesses on the job. I'm moving slowly in hopes to just soak it all in. And since my life seeps into this show, we're taking things slow again this week and digging into something near and dear to my heart, soil health. Because the health of our soil affects our personal health, even if you're not into farming, You don't want to miss this podcast with husband and wife duo, Jeff and Diane. As a graduate in horticulture, nursery production, and permaculture, Jeff has over 30 years of experience in the gardening, medicinal, and organic food production industries, along with extensive studies in soil sciences. And he's a certified arborist at Washington State University. Diane is a registered nurse with over 27 years in the field of nursing with a focus on pediatrics and now cannabis. She has been witness to what poor nutrition and the ramifications of ingesting toxic foods and poisonous exposure can do to the human body. We talk about the benefits of building organic soil and the big picture truth about synthetic soluble fertilizers and the science behind slow dirt. But before we dig in, a word from our sponsor, MJ Relief, the muscle rub PhD formulated for what aches and pains you. And this week, we'll hear Nick's story of relief. Hey, this is Nick. Um, I've been using MJ Relief on my knees, uh, ankles. Um, My hands get sore after fly fishing, and it helps um, just kind of relieve that arthritic feeling in my thumbs after a long trip. I also use it to help my girlfriend's uh, neck pain. I didn't realize how good of a massage oil it also doubles as. So, I mean, I just use like a pea-sized amount uh, and just rub it on a localized area and I just like fan it out and it just, it lasts a really long time. 
it smells really good and she loves it. It doesn't really have that greasy um, oil feel that is normally left on my hands with other massage oils. And it smells really good. Uh, she loves it. I love it. We're going to keep it stocked for the foreseeable future. The stuff's really good. Uh, she's smiling every time uh, we use it. So that's a win-win. If you're feeling Nick's pain and want some muscle and joint relief of your own, head over to mjskinrelief.com. That's mjskin, R-E-L-I-E-F dot com. And for those of you who are already fans of MJ Relief, please send a video or voice memo and let me share your story of relief on the podcast. And follow at mjskinrelief if you're a social butterfly. The Sustainability Roll-Up is presented by OCB Rolling Papers. In perfect harmony with the natural, sustainable practices, it's always been the OCB signature to provide the highest quality, responsibly sourced, and sustainably crafted rolling papers. I thought I could get you primed for the chat with Jeff and Diane. In order to understand the importance of eating organic food from the perspective of toxic pesticide contamination, we need to look at the whole picture, from the farm workers who do the valuable work of growing food, to the water sources we drink from, the air we breathe, and the food we eat. We basically microdose pesticides while consuming their residues in food. And that's how chemical agriculture wants us to measure pesticide exposure. But the population groups most affected by pesticide use are farm workers and their families. Many farm workers spend years in the field exposed to those toxic chemicals, and some studies have reported increased risks of certain types of cancers among farm workers. The emerging science of endocrine disrupting pesticides reveals another chronic health effect of pesticide exposure. During our chat, Diane shares what she's seen and learned firsthand as a pediatric nurse. Children are particularly susceptible to the effects of pesticide exposure because they have developing organ systems that are more vulnerable and less able to detoxify toxic chemicals. Research has shown that simply by switching children to an organic diet, that drastically reduces their exposure to organophosphates, a class of common and toxic pesticides on food. I read that a national reporting system did not exist for farmworker pesticide poisonings. A few clicks later, and I was on the Environmental Protection Agency's website, reading a blog posted back on March 25, 2019, marking the beginning of National Farmworker Awareness Week. It was a note of appreciation for the 2 million-plus agricultural workers in the United States feeding families around the world. It talked about how terrible it is when workers get sick from pesticides and the strain on their families from increased medical costs. And instead of demanding alternatives to the chemicals that are slowly killing you, the EPA outlines their risk management protocol. Quote, when we identify a risk concern for farm workers, we require risk management measures, such as requiring personal protective equipment or requiring people to wait longer before re-entering the treated fields. EPA encourages the use of modifications, 
such as special packaging designed to reduce exposure to workers who mix and load pesticide products. The risk management speak continues with, quote, restricted use pesticides only being applied by trained and certified applicators or someone under the direct supervision of a certified applicator. Y'all, we all know those same farm workers are still doing the toxic heavy lifting while getting a less than satisfying reach around by the EPA with these blog posts, I might add. One risk management idea worth pondering, EPA, is that organic food can feed us and keep us healthy without producing the toxic effects of chemical agriculture. It seems that a shift to organic agriculture is the only way to eliminate toxic pesticide exposure for everyone. And everyone, every human, every plant, every animal, we deserve that. That said, I'm thrilled to introduce you to Slow Dirt and the slow burn of OCB rolling papers. All OCB papers are plant to puff, made with sustainable fibers. So no matter which OCB paper you choose, you can be assured that all OCB papers are vegan, GMO-free, chlorine-free, and dye-free. And OCB only uses natural acacia gum for an always-sticks experience. Of course, you must be 21 and older to buy OCB rolling papers and to follow the natural wonders of OCB on social at OCB underscore USA. I'm excited to report that the practice is paying off and I'm getting pretty good at hand rolling my joints. If you're a grown up joint rolling novice, I invite you to learn the craft alongside me. It's meditative and um, there's always a reward at the end. <laughs> You can catch the Roll With Me video series live streaming on the Casually Baked YouTube channel with replays on the WeedTube and IGTV. If you haven't bought your rolling supplies yet, there's still time. Visit ocbusa.com backslash baked to get four booklets of OCB and a rolling tray for only $4.99. This bundle is worth 20 bucks and is around for a limited time. But the rolling skills and street cred we'll earn together, my friend, make this bundle priceless. As for you OGs who can roll a joint with your eyes closed, I challenge you to sample the entire line of OCB products and let me know your favorite. Ask for OCB wherever you buy your papers. You'll find links to the OCB special offer as well as an interest form for joining me on an episode of Roll With Me in the podcast 192 show notes at casuallybaked.com. If you or your family still uses miracle Grow anywhere, on anything, this podcast is for you. It's also for you busy, fabulous, and frustrated organic gardeners looking for simple and natural pest management solutions. Ah, this is going to be good. So slow down, roll yourself a doobie, and settle in for this soil science sesh. It's time to get casually baked. I got the bottle of wine, the high dollar kind. I got the West Coast smoke, but I better just take one toast. 
I love the name Slow Dirt because it, it insinuates that there's some good stuff happening. So Jeff and Diane, thank you so much for joining me and for giving us soil newbies an education today. Thank you, Joe. Yeah, super, super right. awesome to be here with you. We're big fans and following you for some time now. We can talk dirty. That's right. There you go. Well, so, Jeff, when we first um, started talking, you had said that, you know, as a lifetime organic gardener, you've been chasing all of the right ingredients to create the perfect soil. That love of gardening was your motivation. So, you know, what have you learned during this journey? That it's okay to slow down and take some steps back, you know, that our planet has had it right all along. And through the years of development and formula changes for slow dirt, you know, we just figured out how to put the right ratios in a bag. Slower is always, especially when it comes to like growing cannabis, medicinals, growing food, things of that nature. You just get so much more benefit out of something that is done slowly and organically and naturally compared to like my college years, for instance, when I was taking care of some crops with uh, synthetic uh, soluble fertilizers and the results that I would get from those were always just really subpar, really subpar. So I had to come, you know, come up back around and, and get back into the organic swing. But, you know, when you're in college, you need it all right now. And chemicals will give it to you right now. That's for sure. In more ways than one. That's for sure. Indeed. Now, Indeed. Um, a couple of podcasts ago, I had talked to the founder of 40 Goods. Her name is Sharon Kevill. And she came from the world of furniture and and retail. And we were talking about the implications of fast fashion and fast furniture. And it's the same thing that I worry that cannabis is going to because everyone is so money hungry. They want to be first to market. They want to be the best at everything. And, you know, this reminder of taking it slow, slow yeah. cannabis means something. And so I really, in my heart, identified with the name of your business, Slow Dirt. <laughs> well, good. You said you started out in 2015 with this experiment to get to yeah. this like amazing soil product that you have now. And you started with four ingredients. Yeah. So mm -hmm. tell me a little bit about the Slow Dirt trials that you had along the way. Sure. I think uh, I had followed a lot of studies uh, that they were doing abroad in, in Poland and Japan with the efficacy of an enzyme called chitinase and what soil microbes need to consume in order to produce the chitinolytic enzyme. Chitinase being studied as a very, very potent systemic but organic line of defense for whatever you're growing. So I started to investigate particular uh, organic soil inputs that when they were consumed by the soil microbes and beneficial fungi would produce this enzyme. So we started with those four ingredients that those are like the heavy hitter ingredients of our of our blend. And we mixed them all up with a snow shovel in a in a clawfoot tub out back mm -hmm. and started to measure up um, blind trials. I don't even know our first trial must have had. 50 five gallon pots. And uh, we were growing a lot of ornamentals that I knew were real susceptible to pest infestation, a lot of different vegetables, for instance. But Diane here was in charge of putting specific amounts in pots 
and putting a colored flag in it. And I had no idea which pot had what. I was just she was organizing this study. <laughs> hey, music lovers, the Canna Mom Show podcast in collaboration with Lambkin Guitars is giving away a custom built, one of a kind electric guitar built by Josh Lambkin. The solid one piece hemp wood body includes a built in glass bowl piece. Yeah, you heard me right. You can take a hit and then play a lick. Now's your chance to help the Cannamom Show crush cannabis stigma with your entry. Register for the Hemp Guitar Giveaway online at lampkinguitars.com. That's L-A-M-K-I-N guitars.com. The drawing will be part of a 420 celebration at the Goods Dispensary in Somerville, Massachusetts, where the guitar is on display for the month of April. But don't worry, you don't have to live in Mass or be present to win. Visit LampkinGuitars.com to scope out the Hemp Guitar giveaway details and entry form. You'll even find a video of what could be your guitar in action. L-A-M-K-I-N Guitars.com. Yes. And as the registered nurse, you were more attuned to doing those sorts of things. Oh, uh, I'm sure there were placebos in there. <laughs> well, when he had first told me he had this idea and that he'd had this idea for, I don't know, 20 some years, um, I said, well, we need to run some trials because I'm all about research, right? Well, we need to make sure, you know, if it's going to work. Um, so I did that and it was blind trial and I wouldn't, you know, give anything away. So, and again, we thought, you know, of course more would be better, right? And that wasn't the case. It yeah. was actually not more, right. you know, kind of right in the middle. It's like, wow, well, that's that's fascinating. Um, and then when it worked, that was even more fascinating. Yeah. So, yeah, it was exciting. It was an exciting time. And then, of course, you know, life happens. And then we moved to Washington State and then continued all that research. And but I have to say that I was the super geek. So mm -hmm. I would get off work and I would go to all the local garden centers and ask the managers of the store if I could go out back near their dumpster where they might have plants that they were getting ready to dispose of that were infested with pests. And I would find <laughs> roses and snail vine mm -hmm. just hammered with spider mites and aphids all over them. And I'd cut all that stuff off, carefully put it in a paper bag and bring it back to our trials and purposely infest everything to see which plants were more affected than others. Again, not knowing which pots had how much slow dirt in them. I was just in charge of infesting and watering. That was my deal. And it went on for a while. Yeah, I love that. That's really cool. So how long did you do that? Was it through several growing seasons? We had two primary trials outdoors, uh, sun-grown. And then we were also running trials with some neighbors of ours up there in Northern California that had some indoor cannabis operations and were suffering uh, with infestation. And it really, I mean, we'll probably talk about this a little later, but integrated pest management is a huge deal with cannabis. It's, it's those are the efforts that you make prior to growing anything to really help prevent environmental risk. So the IPM was kind of off. And so we wanted to really come in there and start injecting our product still at the original four ingredients to test, test the efficacy there too. And let me interrupt. What is IPM? Sure. Mm -hmm. Integrated pest management. Oh, it's oh, like, okay. Uh, yeah, okay. Okay. <laughs> All right. I'm back. I'm back. And you know yeah, what? I, that just it brings back to mind something that you said when we first spoke, that if you don't grow your soil first, then you're just growing bug food. Mm -hmm. Pretty much. Mm -hmm. Right. 
Exactly. It all happens in the soil. The soil to me is like, there isn't very much of it on earth. And it's a real thin layer of hope for a guy like me. Because if we can, can be that, be one of the links in the chain for change, that's where we want to position ourselves because it's true. You know, Joe, if you're not growing your soil first, you are just growing bug food because through a soluble chemical synthetic operation, you're going to get the fast growth and the fast flowering you want, but your plants are going to become horribly weakened and susceptible to pest infestation. And that's just been my experience over the years. So, mm-hmm. you know, I, I, I should probably preface that this, there's no guarantee a pest isn't going to find its way into your garden. That all goes back to the IPM. I personally, even as we move in the garden shed, I have a concentrate of spinosad. I've got a concentrate of BT and I have a concentrate of neem oil because I always want to do things organically and I want to time my spraying so that the pollinators are around. Very mindful of those things. But since the inception of Sloter and its evolution in formula, I haven't sprayed once in six years now. Not once, never sprayed anything. I haven't sprayed anything. Wow. But it doesn't mean I don't get pests once in a while. I just don't care about them because I know that as they munch away, they're done. Yeah. So let's talk about that, because after we hung up, I did my homework like a good girl. So the chitinase, that is our natural pest defense. And so what is it? Chitin is Mm -hmm. what a lot of the exoskeletons of the bugs and stuff are. So does it eat that? Like what, what happens there? It desiccates it. It's basically chitinase is the antithesis of chitin. So they, the, those aphids and, and whatever pests, white flies, they'll get on and they'll take a bite and they'll suck in those plant juices. But what's happening is that chitinase enzyme is now in their system. It desiccates their skin, uh, basically starting to dry them out and exposes their tiny little bodies to all the other harmful bacteria and viruses that are in the environment and they're done. Okay, so around the house growing up, we would use diatomaceous earth. Yes. And that's like crushed mollusk shells or something? It's basically silica. It's the crushed exoskeleton of diatoms, which is pretty much goes back to the entire root of our atmosphere on earth. The ocean's been full of them for eons. Mm -hmm. And as a matter of fact, one of our 19 ingredients is diatomaceous earth so we definitely want to incorporate that silicate Mm -hmm. but you're right like my i remember my grandparents would put diatomaceous earth at their door at the uh thresholds over their doors because uh pests won't cross it it's like microscopic broken glass to keep ants out of their house isn't that crazy i know it's It's like if you dare cross this right yeah i mean and then they just like cuts their bodies all up. I mean, they're tiny little microscopic bodies. Um, So is that kind of what's happening with the chitinase when the little insects eat that stuff? I mean, is that what's happening? The diatomaceous earth does um, break down slowly, but how the chitinase is formed is that slow dirt, our intended goal with the product was to Feed the soil microbes that are already there. So the microbes and the beneficial fungi, very specific ones that we were targeting, when they consume the ingredients of slow dirt, they release that chitinase before their little life ends. And that enzyme over time builds and builds and builds. Like top dressing is a big part of how slow dirt works. You have an initial planting ratio. And then throughout the growing season, 
you're going to top dress your plants. You'll top dress your outdoor garden plot because you want to keep that chitinase production high. So as the microbes expire and then uh, regenerate themselves throughout the grow season, they're consuming the ingredients, which then creates the enzyme, which is then taken up into the plant tissue along with water and nutrients. Got it. So it's sort of a built-in systemic but organic line of defense. And so all of this is in one bag. Correct. And so we... All 19 ingredients at the ratio. We're U.S. patent pending on the formula, but we didn't invent the ingredients. The earth invented the ingredients. We just figured out the ratios of everything so that it's balanced and you get the efficacy that there is a reliable and predictable outcome. So over five years, because y'all launched the business last year during COVID, which right in the middle of it. which most people would think, wow, that's insane or that's crazy. But everybody was trapped at home working right. on their gardens yeah. and stuff. A great time for you. <laughs> so in that five years, you went from four ingredients to 19 ingredients. Correct. Yeah. Because if you have too much of one thing, you're going to throw off something else. So there, that's where my work really got intensive. And I'm still testing in the basement here at our house. I've got tents down there and poor Diane's <laughs> looking at the electric bill. She's like, holy cow, just give me six more weeks. <laughs> yeah. You know, but I'm still doing that. And we're set on our formula now. But there are so many different dynamics that happen in a living soil system. And I really, really wanted to fine tune it for the folks that are growing indoors in containers with an organic potting mix. You know, we're big fans of Fox Farms. We love Roots Organics. Uh, Royal Gold has some great blends. Mm -hmm. And it comes out of the bag already with some microbial activity intact. And now you start feeding it slower and you get the desired results. So I've been testing and blending, making sure the pH was okay. pH was a big deal initially. Because we're on well water. Because so, we're on well yeah. water and our well water comes out at almost nine. So you got a pH down and it's, uh, it's science. Trust me. Okay. The experiments you were doing outdoors, sun grown, yes. versus the experiments you were doing on indoor cannabis grows. Yeah. What did you find differently? Well, for starters, nothing beats sun grown cannabis. Sun grown, earthen planted right in right in the soil. Because we are co-planters. Our garden right now is full of food and cannabis. We we just co-plant everything. The difference between planting in the earth and planting in a container is that in the earth, it tends to stay longer in that rhizosphere where your roots are. And there's so much more bacteria going on. Like I think in a tablespoon of good organic soil, there's somewhere like four to seven billion microbes in a tablespoon of good organic earth soil. Whereas a container gardener needs to apply a little more frequently because every time they water, they're washing it out. Mm. Does that make sense? Yes. So you get this washout of ingredients. So it's there and it's and it's vibrant, but every single time, because there's perlite and there's vermiculite and maybe some pumice and, and that water, because you need good drainage in containers. So it's just an application difference, really. Mm -hmm. Like in an outdoor garden, you can top dress it like three to four weeks and still have outstanding results. But in, like on an indoor container garden, for instance, if you were using Fox Farms potting soil, our best results came with giving it a few tablespoons every two weeks because it keeps that biological activity really high, keeps the chitinase production really high, and you're keeping up with the washout that happens every time you irrigate. 
Yeah, that makes That's sense. That's the biggest difference. Mm-hmm. So what are some other soil science tips for newbies? Because I can't articulate a lot of questions because sure. I don't grow. You know, I'm in a tiny space in downtown Oakland and I'm surrounded by freeways and there's soot on my windowsill yeah. every day. <laughs> like there's, I'm not growing anything and smoking it. I yeah. know exactly what your yeah, neighborhood what you looks like. Yeah, what you said on the window. I remember wipe. Yeah, it's this, right? Yeah. It looks like there was container ships parking in your backyard. You're like, what? So um, organics. Organic approaches are always better for me in my experience because you're not only providing what the plant needs, you're providing for what the soil needs. So you're not only growing good crops, you're growing vegetative hyphae. You're laying down compost. Um, you're doing things that not only feed your crop, but they feed the soil. So it's soil building happening at the same time. Whereas chemical or synthetic, what, however you want to call it, soluble fertilizers like Peter's Triple 20, miracle Grow. I used all that stuff back in college because I needed my herb right now. Um, what that does is build super high concentrations of salts. Uh, ammonia levels can come up. Your pH will go up. You're annihilating soil microbes and earthworms. And you're what you're doing is you're creating a plant that is now dependent upon that chemical because you've annihilated mm. the, the, the microbiome of the soil. You're going to get flowers and you're going to get plants, but it is a stark contrast to what you would yield doing things organically. Feeding yeah. the soil that feeds the plants sequesters co2 i mean that's a whole nother podcast well yeah and then and feeding (laughs) us and feeding the atmosphere all of all of the things and plus you risk burning your plants up if you apply it Mm -hmm. too much you could cook your crop accidentally if you're laying down a triple 20 soluble fertilizer too frequently not only are you going to put your salt and ph to the roof you're annihilate the microbes and burn your plants how does that happen burning how does burning the plants happen like, it really happens because you're putting in so much chemical that whatever microbial life is left can't digest it quick enough. Okay. That's pretty much how it happens. It's almost like a reverse osmosis where you get a whole bunch of salt in the soil. So water being attracted to salt is pulled out of the root instead of going into the root. Oh, so okay. it burns up and gets all crispy and... That's done. Okay. That I've, makes I've sense. I've yet to kill an organic garden. Um, I came close though with blood meal one time, a long, long time ago. I put laid a little too much of that stuff down. and. Well, okay. And oh. I have another question. I want to go back to chitinase for a minute because when I was yeah. reading it and it said that it also helps with the, the plant's abiotic stress response, and it's talking about osmotic salt, cold, wounding, and heavy right. metal stresses. And so I'm like, yep. is that our plant's immune system? Yes, precisely. And what's so cool is like in our garden that I'm looking out right now, plants as they grow, their roots touch and they connect, you know, and there's a communication. And uh, and I've tested phenotypic trials, I guess you would call them, mm-hmm. same exact genetic grown in opposite ends of the same space, getting the same sun and same water. But this soil I, I've been building over here in this corner and this soil in this corner, I have not intentionally to see if, like, is it going to affect the phenotype, perhaps the aroma and terpene profile? And it totally does. And I've been doing this for a long time, and I still am fascinated, like a nine-year-old, like, wow, 
Like, look at that. I got to write that down. So what when it does come to growing cannabis, what are there some particular cultivars that have done better for you that you keep going back to time and time again? I've been working primarily with sativa land races. I do some breeding here, too, because I'm just a super plant nerd and I want to see uh, what you can combine when you mix A with B and C and then back cross it with A. <laughs> but um, there hasn't been a particular cultivar that does better or worse. There are interesting things to footnote along the way. For instance, Skywalker OG. That is a finicky plant. And I don't know what it is about that because it's a completely legitimate flower. I mean, it's been around for a long time. A lot of folks grow it. A lot of folks find a heavy medicinal quality about it. But man, that is a finicky plant. And right next door to that, Lemon OG, perfect. Gorilla Glue, perfect. Colombian Gold, Acapulco Gold, perfect across the board. So I I, that's the great mystery, Joe. I don't really know, but I, for me personally, I'm working with sativas until I get some of those hybrids to a point where I can then bring in Lemon OG Kush, and there'll be more on that later because I'm going to win some cups with it. <laughs> right on. I dig it. So y'all started in Southern California. You're now in Washington. What have you recognized about the geographic differences in the soil and your growing techniques and maybe how you use slow dirt? The inland Pacific Northwest is completely different than anything I've been exposed to, uh, especially for outdoor cultivation. There are a lot of really good indoor grow operations here around us and on the west side, too. Here in Spokane, uh, there are some outdoor operations, too. And I believe they focus primarily on indicas, 100% indicas. There could be some indica sativa hybrids out there. But our season is so short. It's just really intense. Here in Spokane, anyway, they say you can't you can't start planting your garden till the snow is off Mount Spokane. Basically, that's been passed down as more than likely there's no threat of a hard freeze after that. That's the growers' war. Yeah. However, this year. But however, <laughs> meanwhile, at least for the last three years, we've had a hard freeze come through before Halloween, and my outdoor sativas that were looking so awesome done like they just can't do it they yeah. can take three or four nights at like 28 degrees but as soon as it hits nine degrees they're done oh yeah so because of that really in short short and intense season i think primarily most outdoor grows here are if not 100 percent indica uh 70 30 indica hybrid and my soil here i can't speak for the entire region is super super sandy and it's full of rocks because I guess some ancient ice dam eight billion years ago <laughs> broke up in Canada and washed and like really tumbled every stone all the way down into like Eugene, Oregon. So it's almost impossible to build a hole that's large enough to transplant, I don't know, carefully. But our garden soil where we, we co-plant with cannabis, we've been building it now for three years and it's delicious. It just took some time to get a lot of organic material mixed into there. Mm -hmm. You know, along with slow dirt too, we just sort of do a lasagna where we put down a layer of slow dirt, put down our homemade compost from the year prior. We don't till, we're a no-till household, but we get it blended in there and uh, it's working wonderful for us. But I can't say that every operation around here also does that. It's very possible that behind those fences, they're growing in huge grow bags. 
50 it. gallon grow bags or something yeah. okay. so they can customize and be very particular about that soil i can't I well, yeah, and, in the earth. Well, and what do you do if you're like, okay, it's gotten really cold. Like you said, three days of 29 degrees, they can handle it. But then when it's going down, do you just like have to try to harvest everything immediately? Just cut it down where it is? And or do you just say, oh, well, shit, I lost this harvest? Usually I wash my hands of it because a sativa the sativas I've been working with, some of them are like a that's a that could be a twelve week plant, and if it gets a hard freeze at five weeks into flower, that's not even a harvestable flower. Well, but you were talking about October. You wouldn't just it wouldn't just be flowering then, right? I mean, I mean here I feel like some of the early stuff starts getting harvested in August. You're right. Yeah, yeah, indicas absolutely. Uh, you have you're lucky still down in California. You can get your outdoor harvest done no later than the end of September, where my flower onset doesn't start, at least last year with what I had out there, it didn't start to really, really make a good show until about mid-September. So by mid-October, I'm four weeks in, and when the hard freeze came, I was only five weeks in. Yikes. That's not a harvestable. Got wow. it. Like there's like no resin production. The hairs are nice and bright. There's no withering happening yet. Well, but and Diane, like, oh, wow. Diane, you're a certified cannabis nurse. And <laughs> what about could you not take those and use that for the THCA and, you know, make medicine with it or something? Mm -hmm. Yeah, you could. You could. But I'm not there yet. <laughs> you're like, <laughs> that's just yeah, that you're right. You could do that. And that's something I'm looking into, you know, cultivating whatever, you know, we don't want to waste, obviously, anything. We want to use the whole plant. So that's something we did talk about. Yeah. But yeah. Well, sure. hopefully that won't happen this year. But if it does, I challenge you to go out there and get all yeah, those babies and make medicine out of them. Yeah. Challenge accepted. Yeah. Because <laughs> last year was a real bummer because I had pollinated them too. And I was really excited to see you know, the, the results of that progeny. And it all just kind of fell on its face, even after I tarped it and I was trying to come up. Maybe I should put a bunch of sterno cans out there and just light them on fire every night. <laughs> <laughs> Keep that ammy. I'm not growing citrus here. So it was like, ah, oh, bummer, but oh, well. And what was so interesting is that when I got this year's garden set up, there were seedlings popping out of the ground. So it did stay on the flower long enough to produce a viable seed, but I had already composted everything. So now so we I was like, ah. Now I got to start that project over. So now we got these little random starters. <laughs> so I got all these little random starts and I'm going to leave them because if one of them is a girl, sweet. But if one of them's a boy, maybe I want that to dust these girls. There you go. So now, you know what I mean? I'm yeah, the experiments nervous. never end. Never, never. Yeah. Never, never. So Diane, with you wearing the nurse hat and, and having your cannabis nurse certification, what are your insights into into what y'all are doing and how utilizing slow dirt really helps in our overall health. Like when you push this all the way forward to the food and the, the cannabis that we then consume as the end user. Right. Yeah, you're right. He's a science nerd. I guess I'm a science nerd too, but the whole medical side of things. So I think for me seeing, you know, the ramifications of what happens you know, with people eating pesticides, not knowing, you know, uh, I think we talked about that before. I worked at Children's Hospital in CHLA and um, saw there, you know, these kids would be born with cancer. Um, a lot of these migrant farm workers that are working in our, you know, fields, right, that they work and they cultivate food is what I'm talking about for right now. 
Um, so I would see that and we would transport these kids. Some were born with severe, you know, birth defects. Um, and the, you know, the mom's not knowing being pregnant, dad's out working in the fields like they do, they come home, they don't know, you know, that they have these pesticides on, you know, they're not, they're not aware, you know, of that. And then they drop their clothes in the home that they're living in with, you know, their children and family, mom being pregnant is now, you know, it's on her skin, it's on the clothes, it's in the home, right? So that was huge for me to see, I would see that over and over again, like, wow. And then I would do my own little research, like, where did this family live? And then I would see that they would live in these areas. And that was really alarming to me, being a nurse and having a heart for like, well, that, that just is horrible. We can't have that happen. And, um, so then of course we meet and then we start talking about, you know, um, because we didn't, we don't spray and do anything on our own food garden. And then the whole cannabis part of that. So I got interested in the cannabis nursing just recently because I'm working on a master's degree to finish that and become a nurse practitioner. I started that at UCLA and a lot of it's, which I work in pediatrics right now uh, here in Spokane, I'm a clinical coordinator for them. Um, and I see it there too, you know? Like, wow, how does it, how is this? It's a huge, huge deal. And so my interest in the whole slaughter is why wouldn't you do it? Why wouldn't you put something that you don't ever have to spray? You don't, you know, it's going to make your food more nutritious. You know, if you're growing food, your cannabis, it doesn't matter if you're eating it, smoking it, putting it on your body, you know, with CBD type products and those things. You want to make sure you know that you know where it's coming from. Um, because the residue, you know, on, on our plants, even, um, that goes in our gut, you know, our food, right? So the residue of sprays or, uh, whatever you're using, and then you're eating that food or smoking that cannabis. Now you've destroyed your own microbiome, right? There's Mm -hmm. a a guy that we follow, Dr. Zach Bush. I don't know if you're aware. I I love love, him. Love him. (laughs) And so he, again, right, is a, a medical doctor. He worked with women, pregnant women, OBGYN physician. Uh, worked in like, a, I can't remember different areas of Mexico. Um, and then his whole deal was because of what he saw, right, with his patients, and how they had it right all along how they grew their food and how we don't have it right, you know, we need to go back, slow things down. Again, he's all about the slow movement and changing that, you know, we want to be that change like him. That's why I follow him. I think he's super brilliant. He has a lot of great ideas. Um, so that, I mean, we could do a whole other podcast on my, cause I have the whole nursey nursey thing and the whole spiritual connection to the plant, you know, Absolutely. there is a spirit. I believe that we have a spiritual connection as you know, you'll hear that saying, you know, as, as above, so below mm-hmm. we see it in the plant. Like, what do you do? What do you, how are you growing that plant? And then you're growing it outside in the sun. I think moon made farms. She talked about that. You, you have this connection to this plant. And the moon phases and the sun phases have a direct, uh, yeah, they have a, a direct, direct response effect. Yeah. To, yeah, effect on the plant and and us as human beings. You know, we're not much different than the plant or the food that we're growing, right? Yeah, we're, we're all, all made of the same things, right? So yeah, that's my deal. Without getting too woohoo about it, but yeah, I think it's it's fascinating. I think that's our word for the day. Like it fascinates it's us. Fascinating. Like wow, that and there's so much more to learn. Yeah. Right. And we want to teach people like there's so much more we're learning every day. Yeah. We would never be so cavalier as to stand here today and say we know it all, mm-hmm. you know, because I'm always doing our, our goal is to optimize your plant's defensive position naturally. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because when we talked about 
like Diane hit on it, uh, in the cannabis industry, they're so heavily regulated. If you spray, they want to know what you're spraying, how often you spray it, when was the last time you sprayed. And it's just so, uh, I can't even, I couldn't imagine trying to run a successful provider operation under such a heavy veil of law and regulation. And when we talked about IPM earlier, because I, like for instance, I have magnet plants outside of my grow here. I've got a whole bunch of lupine that are getting absolutely infested with aphids. And I love it because yes. they'll stay there. Let's talk and, about that. What are some of those other magnet plants that you like to grow that attract the the bugs so that you can keep all your prize crops sure. free? My two favorites that are, are always a go-to is you want to plant brassicas like broccoli and cabbages and kale and then nasturtium, big patches of nasturtium outside of your growing area, adjacent to it, but outside of the grow area, and you let those broccoli go to flower. You have absolutely no intention of eating those Brussels sprouts or those broccoli spears. You want them to go to flower because as soon as they go to flower and all that sugar pushes up in the stem, it's like cotton candy to aphids. And white flies love it. And they just come in hordes and they'll stay there. And, and my food garden is virtually pest-free. You know, Diane mentioned that we could go out and spray those lupine right now. I've got the spray in my shed, but I haven't had to do that in some mm -hmm. time now because I kind of want the aphids to stay there. They have everything they need on those lupine, and they're not going anywhere until the lupine goes somewhere. And by the time that happens, I will have harvested. Granted, we don't get a freeze. Mm -hmm. But yeah. like Di was saying, um, all of that spraying, and, and then you smoke it, and now that's in your lungs. Those residues are in your lungs. Or if you're making edibles and it has been treated, even with something as harmless as neem oil or pyrethrin, it's now it's in your gut bacteria. You know, and who yeah. knows what it's doing to that internal microbiome that helps you self-regulate. Mm -hmm. Well, and I think the thing that I pick up on here, if somebody is, you know, a backyard gardener and they have tried to figure out what to do to know that I can buy one bag mm -hmm. of something and that becomes my everything. It yeah, makes it sure. simple. So it, now it becomes simple to grow my food at home. You know, one of the things that I had researched and had talked about in one of the sustainability roll-ups is this idea that if we're not growing our own food or if we are not getting our food from local markets, mm -hmm. then it's lost the majority of its nutritional value by the time we buy it in the grocery store. So it's like oh, yeah. becomes more of a what is the actual point of eating my greens if they've lost 90 percent of the vitamin right. C exactly. or whatever. Right. Precisely. It tastes so different. You know, take a go out to the garden because we grow kale. We're big juicers. So I can't wait for that to happen. So I don't have to you know, I'll buy all organic at the grocery store. But there's nothing, nothing like picking my own kale right out of the garden and juicing that there's just it's so much more green it tastes better maybe it's all in my mind but scientifically it is like you research the nutrients in that homegrown kale right yeah um, i mean you have to buy some things we'll get apples from a local you know because we have apples here in washington obviously yeah. so those kinds of things we want to keep it local keep it as organic as possible and then you know what i wanted to touch on too that i didn't mention about kids, you know, being working in pediatrics, not only like the kids with cancers that we talked about, but behavior issues is huge right now, you know, 
right? Yes. Kids with ADHD and all of that and the medications they put on those kids on, if they would just change their diet a little bit, you know, but they, how that would change, you well, know? That, and how about all this stuff with like, all these kids now with peanut allergies and eczema right. and all yep. this stuff where it's like yep. half mm-hmm. this shit didn't exist when I was a kid or there yeah, was I much. Totally yeah. agree. That, I say it yeah. all the time. I did not know a child growing up that couldn't crush a bag of Reese's pieces and go back for seconds. <laughs> right. And now every label says there was a peanut within a mile of where this candy bar was manufactured just to let you know. What's that all about? That's genetically modified. That's destroying the soil microbiome by spraying glyphosate. And that's a whole other podcast. It's all that crap destroying that thin layer of hope, our soil that literally regulates the temperature of our planet, Mm -hmm. filters our water, provides nutrition for our foods and medicines. Oh, my God. We could just I could really go down a rabbit hole with you, but we don't have that kind of time. (laughs) Well, and, and so where did ADHD come from? Where did that come that's from? That's why we do a lot of we do a lot of our own educating ourselves with Zach, you know, Dr. Zach Bush and Farmer's Footprint. We belong to Farmer's Footprint. Uh, Bet's on the farm here. We do a lot of volunteering and we have solar for schools, local school gardens that we want to be involved in because we want, it starts with the kids. right? Yes. Maybe they're not getting that food at home. So then we can teach them. Maybe they can teach their parents. Um, cause yeah. you, you only know what you know. And if we can get the kids at a young age, like, Hey, you know, tell your mom, you want a garden in your backyard. You know, that's super awesome. Right. Oh so, yeah. And there know. are some kids that they don't know if a potato grows in the ground or on a tree. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. right. We want them to know where right. it comes from. Yeah. <laughs> I, I recall a camping trip uh, a while back where a father and son had rolled up a couple sites over and they were setting up their camp. And, the, and I overheard the little boy say to the dad, this place smells like Home Depot. <laughs> what? Oh, the, Take the Game Boy away. Yes. <laughs> That's terrible. <laughs> well, and I also yeah. like the fact that y'all are doing this stuff, you know, in schools that you're trying to get kids involved. And again, that it's simple. It's so simple. Mm-hmm. You, so simple. And, you know, so anybody who has been nervous about it or they don't know what to buy now they have an option with slow dirt so tell us how people can find you how they can purchase your product we're web sales right now in fact we just uh, revamped our shipping cost shipping is stupid i just have to tell your viewers we do the best we can to get it to you as quick as we can um for now my goal this year in in spokane is to get into some local retailers here we're in uh, a destination nursery down in Manhattan Beach, California, actually, mm-hmm. called Deep Roots Garden Center. Super awesome store. Like it's a destination nursery. The owner and his staff are genius. They're like they're like one of our very first valued retailers. So they've got it on the shelf. If you live anywhere near the South Bay of LA, you can walk into a walk into their store and go home with it rather than pay for shipping and wait. So that's always a benefit. But for now, we're internet sales with the local mom and pop retailers here in the Spokane area, hopefully down in Southern Oregon, too. You just have to keep goal setting. You know, we're a small company. We blend it right here. But like you stated earlier, Joe, instead of having to go out and chase down 19 specific Mm -hmm. ingredients for very specific results, you know, we just put it in a bag and uh, there's nothing else like it on the market. We're super stoked. 
Yeah. We just have to be patient with the process. Well, it's like building soil. And launching this year in the middle of COVID, right? Because I do help him with the business and the social media. And then I also have a full-time job, right? As a pediatric <laughs> nurse. Right. And I'm going to school for my master's degree. So right. I've got all these hats, you know, which is fun because that's kind of how I've always done sure. life. I like to be challenged, I guess. <laughs> you know, and just to keep those, because all of it's important, right? It's all my job. Being a pediatric nurse is important. And then the whole cannabis industry right. is important too, because there's that facet of, of that education piece for me. So yeah, just hit the ground running kind of this year. So yeah. thank you for the opportunity to get the work, yeah. you know, to get us on a podcast to talk about it because people don't know that it's available. Yeah. And you know, what do you got to lose to try it? Because it's gonna, we know it's gonna kick ass because we have been using it ourselves. Yeah, you yeah. kicked I, its yeah. ass so that yeah. it can <laughs> kick ass. And this is slowdirt.com. That's where people go to yep. buy it. Slowdirt.com, you can order it there. Mm-hmm. We actually I set up a promotional code for your viewers. All right. So I called it casually baked goods. <laughs> okay. So, <laughs> yeah. Tribe, the promo code is 05420. 05420. Sweet. And that's going to get them 20% off a bag of yep. slow dirt. Yep. Mm-hmm. Either yeah. size through the end of July. All right. I, yeah. I say do it or don't, but do. <laughs> that's a good one that's yeah, awesome like well is there anything i didn't ask you that we need to hear to wrap this up you know i don't think you've missed any questions i think we just want to make sure folks know that um a vibrant living soil is going to result in an overall plant health that ultimately end up in a healthy you you know what i mean yeah. like if you're going to put it in your body you want this in your soil give it a try there's nothing like it on the market and just going back to being a single link in the chain of change. Amen uh, to that. Amen to that. And I am going to be hanging my Oakland hat up soon and moving back to the wine and weed country so I can be closer to my farmer friends and be able to to be somewhere where I can put my hands in the dirt and I can do some of these things because I do love it. I am curious about it. I'm a country girl. Like this stuff Mm -hmm. is in my DNA. And I have just felt like, you know, the last three years been in the middle of a downtown area and it was great and it's been bumping. And but all of a sudden now, no, we're not having events two blocks from my house sure. anymore. You know, people right, aren't right. coming into my studio. So I'd rather just go convene with nature and, and just kind of yeah. reboot. Right. Yeah. Cause everyone has Get that with ability. Grow sisters yeah. and hang out with Tina and go back up to yeah. King's view. And exactly. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Exactly. We miss all of it too. We do miss it. We yeah. miss it. But we'll crash your party when we're down there. There you go. And I'll buy some slow dirt when I get to the country. Uh, you don't have to <laughs> We're going to give it to you. <laughs> we'll donate it to you. Oh, yeah. thank you. Yeah. Well, Jeff yeah. and Diane, I really yeah. appreciate your time. And if my show wouldn't get yanked off the air, I would play some John Cougar Mellencamp to... Uh, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> there could be some copyright issues going you, on there. You, that, you had that connection. That's really... Oh, my really gosh. Yeah. Connection. That was such a, yeah. a childhood staple, driving in the car with my sisters. Oh, and yeah. So now... Yeah. It's Sucking just... on a chili dog outside the tasty freeze. That's a good <laughs> right. song, man. Amen. I can't like that. <laughs> it was meant to be, right? That's right. Well, thank we y'all so much. Time. So much thank for your time. You. Yeah, thank you so we much. We are great. Yeah. Here's a little casually baked food for thought grown in slow dirt. 
If we get so much more benefit out of food and medicine when things are done slowly, organically and naturally, imagine applying that concept to other areas of your life. Slow mornings. About seven years ago, I began training myself to be an early riser just so I could enjoy slow, peaceful mornings. Slow dating. (laughs) You betcha. Establishing a 90-day rule changed my life. Slot into my DMs if you want the deets. And um, slow food. Yes, please. And when the secret sauce to growing the healthiest and tastiest food and medicine comes in one bag with simple instructions, hello, sign me up. If you're as excited about Slow Dirt as I am, they're offering us 20% savings through July using promo code 05420. That's 05420. And if you're listening to this after July of 2021, tell Jeff and Diane you heard them on Casually Baked the Podcast when you make the shift to Slow Dirt. I'm excited to meet more good humans doing their part to find creative solutions that serve our community and our planet in their own special way. If that's you or someone you know, message me through the website at casuallybaked.com. That's where you'll also find the podcast 192 show notes chocked full of so much good information that we talk about all throughout the episode. I really hope you're inspired to slow down and share this podcast with your smoke circle. And if you're high vibing on this podcast, please rate and review on iTunes or Apple Podcasts. That helps other Canna Curious folks find this highly responsible cannabis content. Thanks for doing your part to Puff Puff Pass It On. Casually Baked the Podcast was created, recorded, and produced by yours truly. Editing and sound design are in the capable hands of Arnav Gupta. The podcast theme music is by my highly talented friend, Seth Walker. If you aren't familiar with Seth's music, you can find High Time on his album, Gotta Get Back, wherever you're buying your music these days. I know he didn't create High Time for me, but it sure as shit sounds like he did, right? I hope you'll tune in next time. Thanks for hanging out. Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. Hey friends, I'm Brandon and I'm Saba and we are your host of the Cannabis Hangout podcast, an educational platform to connect with the cannabis community and share personal stories while breaking the stigma of marijuana. Join us every Sunday at 7 p.m. to gain valuable insight with different perspectives from industry leaders, growers, and medical marijuana patients. This is a place to learn so much from different angles in the cannabis industry. So tune in while we break it all down.